Um, it's a three, two, one tempo. So three seconds down to the chest, two second pause on the chest, and then the spotters rip it off. And then I've got to stabilize and, and take control of it up the top and then do a, a couple more reps, which is um, absolute hell. It is uh, it took me 12 years to uh, to realize that being 5'2 and trying to play basketball is really dumb. Um, and so, yeah, uh, for for a little bit of a visual aid for those at home, um, for the older people, um, picture uh, Thunderbirds, and uh, for the younger people, uh, Team America. So I kind of walk like a, a marionette puppet if I don't have anything to hold on to. Uh, welcome back, everyone, for another episode of the Strength Institute podcast. Uh, middle of coronavirus lockdown, but we're keeping our distance in the room. We've got, we've got 12 square meters in here between the pair of us, so it's all right. Um, basically, uh, my guest today, Ben Wright, um, we've got a two-time Commonwealth game para powerlifter, yep. um, which is pretty exciting, especially because I'm a big fan of powerlifting, powerlifting coach myself. Um, started powerlifting in 2012. Yep. Uh, you went to the 2014 and 2018 Commonwealth Games. Yeah, correct. Placing 10th and 6th, respectively. Yep. Yep, perfect. And also a two-time Oceana record holder yes. uh, for both the 80 kilo and the 88 kilo weight class. Yeah, that's correct. Nice one. And then I'm going to keep just throwing your accolades out here. Three-peat Australian champion, back-to-back-to-back Australian champion yeah, that, on formula for powerlifting. That, that's it, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And then, uh, and finally, uh, a Tokyo Olympics 2021. It has been postponed to, you said, no later than the summer of 2021, ideally? Yeah, so there's, there's been official uh, uh, official correspondence sent out um, in the last 24 hours. And so um, they're, they're hoping for it beyond 2020 as, as at this um, stage, but no later than, than summer for 2021. So... Um, yeah, it's it, which is it, it's actually good for me. It gives me a little bit more time to uh, qualifying and and get my numbers up to to get to that sort of standard. Um, but yeah, I, I imagine it's a it's, it's pretty heartbreaking for a bunch of people that have been putting in a lot of years to to um, go to twenty twenty. Absolutely. Or well, one of my um, guests on, on one of my early podcasts was a, a girl named Stephanie Robo, and she's qualified for sailing for the US team and uh, again, you know, training hard but postponed now for, yeah. for another year. Yeah. Um, but I guess we'll, we'll circle back around to the Olympics. Um, how did you get into powerlifting? Uh, actually, it was, uh, it started years and years ago, but back when I was a little junior. So um, I used to do uh, wheelchair basketball and uh, uh, athletics, so javelin, chopper and discus. Um, and I went away to a, to a junior games and they had a... Um, a come and try day uh, for para powerlifting, um, and I got on the bench, and I, I think I pressed something like eighty kilos. And uh, at the time, for my um, weight class and age group, that was close to a national record. So um, I had the the para powerlifting coach Ray Epstein go and tell my basketball coaches that I was uh, I was going to stop basketball. I was going to move to Queensland, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to become a para powerlifter. Yeah, nice um, but unfortunately, uh, it took me twelve years to uh, to realize that being five two and trying to play basketball is really dumb. Um, and so, yeah, I, I reached kind of like a, a crossroads in in basketball where I wasn't really getting where I wanted to go. Um, and I thought, you know what, there's powerlifting's always been in the back of the mind, so let's let's cut basketball off for a bit and then let's, let's give that a go. And it's, yeah, the rest is history. How do you structure your, your training? I mean, I guess um, with my background is, is in coaching, um, not para power lifting. Yeah, yeah. So we go into three lifts, the squat, the bench, the deadlift. Um, and we have the whole week to spread that out um, to let everything recover amply. So yeah. how, do you, how do you manage your training and how do you structure a program when it's you know, mainly upper body, fo- or upper body focus? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's obviously, I've, I've been doing this about eight years now, so it, it's changed a little over, over the years. But um, 
currently I'm training uh, four days a week. Um, three of those are bench days, and so basically bench days, we want um, a day in between them, um, just so so we have that time to recover. Um, and we go from uh, eight reps to five reps to three reps, so we kind of like do do uh, most of our volume at the start of the week, and then we, we cut the volume down and, and go for the, the load in the later end of the week. Yeah, fair enough. And what, what sort of numbers are, are we pushing here? Uh, so uh, just recently I did uh, got a new doubles PB, which was uh, 172 and a half. Um, so uh, I've, I've got a, a 182 and a half um, single in the gym, which is 400 pounds for those playing back at home. Um, but uh, my numbers on my on my eights and my fives project um, that I should be getting higher than that. So um, it's just we're, we're trying to figure out how to convert um, those those volume numbers into a, a bigger single lift at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's really interesting. You say that as well. I'm I'm the exact same in my training that my my higher reps uh, uh, do not indicate accurately what my one RM is. Yeah. My one RM is, is a fair bit lower. Um, so I guess it's just a bit stronger than I am powerful. So I do have envy of those guys with a super fast twitch that can just rip out those heavy one RMs. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think what my problem is, because obviously um, being in a chair, um, I have uh, core issues. So I think um, it's it's being able to stabilize that core and also uh, lock my scaps in for those big lifts. Um, so if I can get those, um, get those ducks in a row uh, for a single, hopefully I'll be... Uh, doing something a little bit more impressive soon. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's great. Uh, tell me a little bit more about um, about your training. I know you're saying that you want to really bump that 1RM up to sort of get in that top eight yeah. uh, number. Um, what sort of work are you doing to, to build that maximum strength? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so as I said, um, my my volume work doesn't really convert to the singles that I'm, I'm looking for at the moment. So I need a, a 186 to hit that, that top eight spot. And so my, my volume work um, points towards around a 185, 1RM, uh, but I'm, I'm just not converting when I get to those singles. So yeah, we're doing a bit of overloading work. So um, doing some dead presses, so from the chest and then from just after the sticking point, because um, obviously you're able to overload those. Um, but also uh, getting in some uh, heavy negatives uh, as well, which are really good. And and something that's new to me, um, heavy negatives for reps. So I've, I've, I've never done them for reps before. They've always just been for singles. But um, it, probably in the last four weeks now, We've been uh, we've been having sets of three. So basically, I, I unrack the bar. Um, it's a three, two, one tempo. So three seconds down to the chest, two second pause on the chest, and then the spotters rip it off. And then I've got to stabilize and, and take control of it up the top, and then do a, a couple more reps, which is um, absolute hell. It is one of the most difficult exercises I've ever had to do. Yeah, it sounds pretty tough. Yeah, it's it's not fun. I can tell you that much. Yeah, right. And with your dead press as well, off the chest and off the sticking point. Yeah. Um, are you using um, like uh, racks, like pins off the side of the bench, or do you have like a block um, that you're using? Well, well, no. So that's the great thing about being at waist. They've got a bunch of squat racks, so I just put my put my bench in the squat rack, and then it's just so Benching much easier. Benching in the that. squat rack. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've been doing it. I've been doing it for years. Um, what a lot of people don't recognize is that um, if you're in a chair, um, you can just get a uh, basically a weightlifting belt strap the chair to yourself and then just do um, chin-ups in the mono rack. I've, I've been doing chin-ups in mono racks for years. It's fantastic. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, list off. Top accessory exercises for you. Like, What do you like to supplement your bench press with? Uh, so uh, probably my favorite, which I'm not getting to do at the moment, it's not in the program, but I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, weighted dips. Um, I, I think they're fantastic for the bench press. Um, and so uh, traditionally I had um, been just having a chain around my neck and then just hanging some dumbbells off of it. Uh, but I got to a point where 
I was um, I had two 24 kilo kettlebells around my neck, um, and so that was absolutely killing me. Um, so uh, what I found uh, works really well is um, getting a truck pulling harness, and so you can have the truck pulling harness, and then it's got the chain that is um, hanging from your chest, and then so it keeps your center of gravity better as well, because obviously having the chains around your neck, you kind of tilted forward a bit. So yeah, having having the truck pull harness um, has been really good. So yeah, I'm, I'm able to get those those heavy dips in again. Yeah, nice one. So heavy dips is a, a must do for a big bench then. Yeah, definitely. So basically, um, triceps. You want you want your big triceps. So just whatever whatever your favorite um, tricep movement is, um, and just try and make it as heavy as you can. And then also. Um, I've got to be that guy, but um, you want to you want to keep your shoulders healthy, um, especially being in a wheelchair. So obviously, by the time I'm finished bench pressing, I, I still want to be able to do everything in life. So um, just doing light band work with your rotator cuff and all that sort of stuff, just just really for health. No 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 really strong stuff or heavy stuff. Just keeping it. Healthy. Are you talking warm ups, cool downs, or as in like you'll set aside you know time to work you know reps till till fatigue with light light so, weight. So usually I do it um, for warm ups. That's that's how I warm up. So just doing like twelve to fifteen reps, um, two two to three sets, just to get them all get them all happy because obviously um, small attachments to your, to your chest and back. So you don't want to be going too hardcore, but um, yeah, just just a, a nice warm up and, and warm down seems to seems to do it well. Nice. Now we all know that if you want a big bench, you, you need to train. Big bench, you need to train your big pushing muscles, your triceps, shoulders. Yeah. Uh, but you've talked to someone like Nathan Baxter, who's you know yeah. Australia's all-time biggest bench presser, right? Yes, I, I believe the uh, the first person in the Southern Hemisphere to bench seven hundred pounds. Yes, yeah, he's yeah. a monster. Yeah, um, and he will uh, he will sing it until you don't want to hear it anymore about how important it is to build a big back, big yes. back, big back for support. Or oh, and pull into a good position. Oh, absolutely agree. So, um, uh, what I tell people, especially uh, new people to bench pressing, is the the back is the platform on which you do all of your work. So you need a big back. So um, for that, I'm I'm a really big fan of seal rows, just because um, having that that core that's not as strong as it should be. Um, Doing uh, seated rows, um, I, I get pulled forward a little bit. So obviously, having the seal row and just being flat backed, and then just trying to pull as much on the barbell yeah. as possible is, is really good. For those who know uh, seal row, you might notice as a bench pull, but basically, yeah, or, a, or a prone uh, row, yeah, yeah, prone row. It's just a bench that you lie belly uh, down on. It's a little bit higher than a normal bench, so you can unrack a weight without it touching the ground. You just pull up to the bottom of the bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah, nice. You do a lot of lot of uh, uh, prone rows or, or seal rows. Yeah, yeah, so do do a lot of seal rows. I I do do um, a lot of uh, seated rows, but now that's more for my volume work. Um, and then lat pull downs are, are another really big one as well. Yeah, okay. And you do the lat pull downs, or do you do weighted chin ups, or do you not? Doesn't matter. Uh, well, so so I, I, I change. So um, I I do I, I liked doing the um, the the chin ups where I'm strapped in, just because I, again I can um, put a kettlebell on my lap, or I can put a, a weight plate on my lap, just so I can add weight and just be able to to get it stronger. But I, I switch in between those two. Right. How much does the chair weigh by itself? Also, the chair, like it's really light, so I've got carbon fiber wheels, and it's um, uh, if you're uh, a fan of uh, BMX biking, uh, it's, it's made of chromoly, so okay. it's the, the same sort of frame that the BMX bikes are. So it's it's only about eight kilos. So um, yeah, I, I try and add it, add as much weight as I can. Yeah, fair enough. For those that are that are not experienced or haven't seen any pair of powerlifting, it's actually pretty interesting. Um, it's a slightly different bench setup. Yeah. It's a lot wider. Yeah. Um, and also you get the option to get strapped to the bench. Um, yeah, just for extra stability. Yeah, correct. So, um, yeah, for people that like uh, ball and bat sports, the the bench press that we use is uh, more cricket bat shape. So it starts off regular width at the top, and then kind of flares out, um, and it's about two point one meters long, um, because we 
we have our legs on the bench. So it's uh, similar to uh, what uh, people call a Larson press these days. Um, and so it, it completely takes leg drive out of it because we've got um, people of all, all different disabilities from um, spinal cord injuries to amputees to short-statured athletes, um, cerebral palsy. So um, the, the wider bench um, makes it easier to, to have all of that gamut of, of different abilities be able to compete on the same platform. And then, yeah, as you said, um, we can have uh, straps. So you can either have one or two straps. Um, I, use, I used to have just one strap just below the waist, um, but then about two years in, um, I was doing a 1RM and then all of a sudden my, my little left leg just started kicking um, out of nowhere and so I've, I've gone to uh, two straps now, but literally the, the second strap is just to make sure that that left leg just stays put because that will uh, give you red lights if that happens during lifts. Right. Do you mind talking about sort of what, what's going on in terms of... Yeah, yeah no. so... So I was, uh, I was born with a congenital birth defect, uh, so it's called spine bifida. Um, and so basically it's where uh, your spine does not properly form um, during birth and then depending on where along your spine um, your lesion is uh, will depend on what sort of functionality you have. So um, my, my lesion's around about L4-5, so it's basically just the, the stuff um, below L4-5. So like I can, I can move my legs a little bit and I can, I can feel bits of my legs. Can't, can't um, do the flexion in the feet, can't really feel the feet, um, but I, I, I have fairly good mobility and I can, I can kind of stand a little bit and um, for, for a little bit of a visual aid for those at home, um, so for the older people, um, picture uh, Thunderbirds and uh, for the younger people, uh, Team America. So I kind of walk like a, a marionette puppet okay. if I don't have anything to hold on to. All right, okay. Yeah. And from what I've watched, it seems far more strict yeah. uh, on the on the judging than normal powerlifting. Yeah, so um, it is the strictest uh, bench press rules that I've seen across any federation. Um, so we have, um, you, you we don't call it a pause, but in the rules it says that the bar must remain motionless on the, on the chest before the press sequence. Um, and when when you press it, uh, you really have to come up almost as if your um, the bar is on hydraulic rams. It has to come up completely evenly um, it, to account for some sort of disabilities. Um, if the bar starts a little bit crooked, so sometimes we'll have people with um, cerebral palsy that will be a little bit crooked. Um, so as if they start crooked and then they end crooked, then that's completely fine. But if you start off straight and then there's a little bit of movement and then you you, you get it straight at the end. They call that walking the bar. Um, and yeah, there's there's all sorts of different rules that make it very strict. Yeah, okay. You listed off a, 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 like a, quite a few disabilities that um, that people might have in the para powerlifting. Is a competition sort of all encompassing, like everyone gets tucked into one group or is it is it a subcategories um, depending on your disability in para powerlifting? No, so that that's one of the things that drew me uh, to para powerlifting because in uh, the, the Paralympic sporting world, um, a lot of sports are kind of um, cut up into those little ability classes. So you'll have um, like spinal cord injuries um, in one set, you'll have amputees in one set, you'll have um, like brain injuries in another set and you'll have short stature. Whereas uh, para powerlifting, you are um, either deemed eligible to compete or ineligible. And then once you are eligible, it is just weight classes. Right, okay. And so more recently, have you been competing in the 80 or the 88? Uh, so I've, I've come down to the 80s. Um, it was a little Trimming bit- up. Yeah, so it was a little bit of a strategic move. So um, when, when we go to a world champs, um, the 88 kilo class and the 80 class, they're usually uh, the most contested. So last world champs I went to, there was 
probably I think like six divisions that had 10 people in there just in the 88 kilo class. Um, so for me, for to qualify for Tokyo, um, it just made more sense to, to be down in the 80s because um, to qualify for the Paralympics, um, you just have to be in the top eight in your weight class in the world. So if you're not in that top eight, you, you, you don't get an automatic entrant. And then they have two spots that go to a wild card, but obviously you, you don't want to leave don't it down to a wild up, card. Yeah. You want to you wanna make sure that you have your fate in your hands. So yeah, moving down to the 80s uh, was, was a smarter move for me because it just meant I had a little bit less on the bar to, to qualify. Sure. So you're saying top top eight guaranteed a spot through. Um, is that done off, you know, you said you, you're the national champion by Wilkes, uh, sorry, by Formula. Is that a Wilkes score? Uh, no, so uh, it's, uh, it's um, the NAH formula. Um, so it's one that was specifically created uh, for the bench press only and, and for para powerlifting. So it's similar to a Wilkes formula. Um, so it allows you to, to get a score um, the, uh, without um, like basically taking your lift and, and your body weight. Um, and then giving you a final score, so um, we can have everybody across weight classes kind of um, competing on an on, a, on an even keel. And when we have uh, competitions nationally, we don't have um, enough people to fill all of the weight classes. So that's usually how we do it. We just have a bunch of people come together and we do it on formula. Okay, all right. So the three peat Australian Championship done on formula. That's yeah. basically spanning all the weight classes. Uh, yeah. So that yeah. So that's across all the weight classes. That um. So yeah. It's it's been uh. The, yeah. Top top male. Yeah, fantastic. Nice one. And so uh, the top eight that are guaranteed a spot through to the Olympics, is that done off um, like one qualifying event or is it sort of like a championship where if you go to and and get a a bunch of different competitions under the belt, you're going to accumulate a certain number of points or it's the biggest bench press that year or how does that work exactly? Well, so no, it's uh, it's the, it's accumulated, well not accumulated, but it's worked out over a Paralympic cycle. So you've got your four year cycle and to even be eligible to go to a Paralympic Games, you have to compete in an international world cup every single year in that Paralympic cycle. Um, You have to attend world champs when they've got them on and you have to hit a minimum qualifying score. And then once you've um, met those guidelines, it is just the top eight um, along that cycle yeah sure Wait, it must be a, bit of a, fe- a good feeling to be able to represent your your country oh it's it's fantastic especially um uh 2018 gold coast uh commonwealth games um having a home games because um that i'm i'm now the only person in wa that competes in power powerlifting uh so all of our competitions are either on the other side of the country or the other side of the world so this was the, the first opportunity that um i had f- uh, friends and family to be able to come along and see me compete so uh to have people that you know in the crowd cheering you on was absolutely fantastic yeah nice one mm. well, it, would, would you say that's sort of like your 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 favorite moment in para powerlifting or do you have a, a, another one no so it actually would be that one so um uh, 10 weeks before the uh, commonwealth games in 2018 I actually uh, had a seizure while I was asleep um, and broke my back in in four places. So I had compression fractures um, from T10 to L1 inclusive. Uh, And so I I was still able to compete and I was still able to finish sixth place. So um, it wasn't wasn't the result I was hoping for, but um, all things considered, um, I, I think it's a fairly good achievement. And so, yeah, to have... Have everybody there to be able to see that it was it was really special. Well, that's a phenomenal achievement, and um, and that's the right direction as well. Tenth to sixth. That's it. So uh, just keep creeping up the old ladder there. Yeah, that's it. So um, the next Commonwealth Games is in uh, Birmingham in twenty twenty two. So that's um, that's the competition I will be looking to to finally get on that platform on the podium. Yeah, on the podium. That's yeah, it. fantastic. And what about the uh, what about the the Tokyo should it be going through um, in twenty twenty one? 
um, and you do qualify. Yeah. Um, obviously, a bit bigger scale than the Commonwealth Games. Even you're going to have all the countries there involved. Yeah. So um, it will. Yeah. Um, in the athletes' village, it will be it will be fairly good. Um, but f- as far as a, a powerlifting competition, it'll actually be a little bit scaled back for us. So um, when you have the the Paralympic Games, um, you've got uh, all your all the weight classes, um, and then you've got ten p- people per weight class. Whereas um, the last uh, World Champs we had, we had I think it was like four hundred and eight athletes compete at oh, World wow. Champs. Oh wow! All right. So our our World Champs are absolutely huge um, when it comes to scale of competition. But yeah, being being able to be um, uh, at, at, a, at a Paralympics and, and just uh, experience all that sort of thing and, and have all of those other sports alongside will, will be pretty special. Oh, that, that would be amazing when it happens. Yeah. In your opinion, what's the biggest challenge of uh, getting into powerlifting um, you know, or into para-powerlifting? Like what, what do you find that the hardest thing? Is it getting the right equipment, finding the right coaches, the training partners? Yeah, so um, a, a lot of that um, is, is all has its own little challenges. So um, the the biggest challenge we have at the moment, if you want to be um, a competitor and you want to you want to compete on, on a world stage, is the fact that um, para powerlifting is not a uh, it's not a, f- a federally funded sport. So um, whenever we compete internationally, it's it's pretty much out of our own pocket. So um, I, th- I did the math. Um, uh, a couple of weeks back, and I think over the last eight years, I've spent about seven grand each year trying to get to, just to get to competition. So that doesn't even take into account um, food for nutrition, uh, gym memberships, uh, like all of your your physio and your chiro and stuff like that. So um, it can be uh, it, it can be a pretty big financial yeah. sort of struggle to get into. Uh, luckily, I, I work full time, so I've I've got that behind me, so it, it helps me continue to compete. But yeah, also. Um, Trying to get a, a coach that uh, understands um, the the disabled body because obviously we we have all different sorts of disabilities that compete. So trying to find a a, a coach um, that is geared towards strength coaching and then also someone that uh, understands uh, disability is is also um, a little bit of a challenge. Um, and also uh, trying to find a place to train. I remember um, when I first started training, I was just training out of a little fitness first, um, and every time I'd go in there, I'd like everyone's eyes would just be on me because it's it's not it's not a normal thing to, to see a guy in a wheelchair um, not only just being in a gym but then out pressing you in dumbbells yeah, as shifting well. some serious weight yeah exactly um, so uh, for me uh, the muscle pit um, in in Cannington has, has been a really um, a big help in, in getting me um, along my way they've been uh, really supportive and, and really welcoming since the very beginning um, and so yeah if we can get more sorts of uh, institutes like that um, to to kind of make themselves accessible and, and, and welcoming to, to people with disabilities. I think we can uh, not only um, get para powerlifting more off the ground in the country, but also just um, help getting disabled people out into the community because um, I'm a big advocate that just um, getting strong uh, helps you just live live day-to-day life. Like, So if you've got a transfer out of your wheelchair, um, if you can bench press one and a half times your own body weight, um, getting in and out of your wheelchair is just so much simpler. So uh, it, it's not just the, the sport aspect. I'm, I'm just a big fan of getting disabled people in the gym. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think not just disabled people, anyone. Yes. Being strong is never a bad thing. Yeah, that's it. It, it always improves your quality of life. Exactly, yeah. yeah. yeah I've, I can't say that I've, I've found a, a bad time being, being a little bit stronger. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you had mentioned before that the uh, waste gym had shut down, um, I'm assuming due to coronavirus as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so you normally train at the waste gym as well? Uh, so I've been training there for probably about 10 weeks now. So the, the issue was that I didn't have uh, my bench press in there. Um, and so I wasn't able to previously go in there because they just had regular bench presses. And um, where I'm at in my training and the sort of loads that I'm lifting, I, I really need that that extra width on the bench to be able to um, com- complete my sessions uh, properly. Uh, but yeah, they, they got my, my bench in there about 10 weeks ago, so I've been training there pretty much full time since then. But yeah, with, with everything that's going on, um, it's, it's closed down for now. So just trying to figure out um, how I can relocate a bench um, into a shed basically and just continue on. Yeah, okay. And was the the bench at the Waste Gym, so those that are listening or, or watching, Waste is the West Australian Institute of, of Sport. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's, it's basically the, the premier strength and conditioning center in, in the state. Literally. Yeah, yeah. Outside of Gindula. Well, yeah, outside, outside. <laughs> I was going to say, that's what, they, that's what they tell themselves, but yeah, I, yeah. I would say outside. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's fair enough. Now, the bench that they had in there for you, was that um, one of the full Alikio, um ones or was it the insert that we were talking about before? No, no. so I, I had my own bench, um, it's just that I didn't have a place to put it and so it was just getting uh, getting access to the gym and, and getting permission to put it in there. So um, I've, I've managed to move because it was just in a in a little room in a shed that um, just literally had the bench and, and all the weights in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is it is a custom made one for, for power powerlifting. That's good. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on as well? Oh, I think that's probably about it. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Well, Ben, thanks very much for coming in. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Um, Thank you very much for having me in. It's uh, it's, it's quite humbling to be uh, invited to be on, on such a prestigious podcast. Well, well, you're being very kind. Actually, it's funny because um, uh, Ben is good friends with Lewis Dallimore, or friends with Lewis Dallimore, yeah, yeah. who I've had on twice now. Um, we actually, we were talking about that before. Yeah. Uh, Louis was one of your first sort of uh, help, helping coaches at the Western Force. Yeah, so um, Louis is basically the, the reason that uh, I've been able to continue to do this. So when we were when I first started out, I had a training partner with me, um, and we were looking for a place to to get our bench press in and a place that we could train. And um, uh, Louis put his hand up. He was a junior strength and conditioning coach at the Western Force and uh, completely volunteered. Um, he stayed back late after work. He would um, put the weights on the bar spotters like loading everything um and absolutely fantastic so uh definitely would not be where i am today without the help from them yeah well that was good and uh i saw that ben had commented on on that podcast i was like wait we're gonna get you in here as well but yeah. uh, no absolutely yeah it was fantastic it was, it was it was really good no awesome thanks very much for coming on yeah and, thanks uh, for having me we'll see you guys later cheers